Hello, hello. Welcome to Coastal Voices. Today I'll be speaking with Jeff Lemire about his new DC comic series. We'll speak to a UVic Pride rep about their new job posting in the Pride office, and we'll speak about the recent Enbridge vote in Kitimat. Stay tuned for all this and more on this week's episode of Coastal Voices. Happy Wednesday. Uh, welcome to Coastal Voices. I'm your host, Sasha And today I will be speaking to Jeff Lemire about, and he's the artist behind Sweet Tooth, Essex County, and now the new Justice League Canada. Jeff is a Toronto-based artist who's catching up, catching the attention of many folks by having created a new indigenous Cree comic book character named Equinox. Uh, the comic book character is a young lady, and she hails from the Moose Factory region. Jeff was kind enough to let me ask him a few questions today about his new character, and here is his interview. Hey Jeff, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. Uh, so thanks for speaking to me today um, about your new... Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, that's great. Um, about your new comic book character, Equinox. I was wondering if you could speak mm-hmm. to me a little bit about who Equinox is and um, why you decided to go with a First Nations character for DC's Justice League. Sure. Um, well, uh, first of all, Equinox, the character that I've created... Um, She's 16 years old. She's from Moose Factory, Ontario. She's a, she goes to high school there, and um, you know the mystery surrounding her superpowers and her origins are kind of part of the story. So I don't want to don't want to spoil the story secrets too much. But um, the reason you know I, I wanted to create uh, a First Nation superhero and and as part of this team, uh, you know, it's kind of a it was a long process. But the short answer was, you know, I, I originally got contracted to write the Justice League of America comic for DC Comics and, and started working on that and then uh, I kind of wanted to to maybe change things up and I asked if I could I could change it and, and make the team Canadian based and, and just explore you know stuff that's a little bit closer to home for me with, with it and, and DC Comics supported that so once that happened uh, I tried to think of you know different things about Canada I kind of wanted to talk about or or communicate with the story and um you know canada is a pretty diverse country from from region to region you know it's everything has its own personality whether you're on the west coast or the east coast or wherever and so i knew in a in a superhero comic you can't really capture all of that so i kind of picked wanted to pick one thing that i could hopefully try to get <laughs> communicate yeah. properly and, and you know my mm-hmm. interest in, in 
First Nation culture and, and issues and things is something that's kind of been growing over the last couple of years. And I thought this would be a great way not only to educate um, American readers about some of the things going on or introduce them to sort of First Nation culture, but also educate myself because, um, like I said, it's something that I had a growing interest in. But growing up in, in – I grew up in southwestern Ontario near Windsor and um, – you know, as a kid and stuff, I, I didn't really have a lot of exposure to, to Aboriginal culture, and there wasn't a large uh, Aboriginal community down there, so it wasn't something I, I ever really experienced firsthand. It was always something, you know, that something from another part of the country that I'd never seen as a kid, and you just kind of feel detached from it. And and then, uh, you know, whenever I take on a new project, whether, whether it's this or whatever, it's always a way for me to learn more about a new subject and, and and you know, I just felt like I felt like uh, I'd kind of never really engaged in in learning more about First Nations, and um, and this would be a way for me to learn more about it, and hopefully bring bring that to uh, to young maybe young kids all over the country who aren't exposed to it as well. Certainly, and it's excellent representation for uh, Indigenous kids too uh, to see. First Nations characters is kind of one of the first times that that's happened for comic books. So it's a really good step in the right direction. How did you form your ideas in creating this First Nations female character? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different uh, places you draw from when you create anything. But, you know, I knew I needed to spend time in the area where she was from and, and try to make make those experiences inform it as much as I could. Um, you know, not being not being Aboriginal or not being from the area, there's only, you know, I can only do my best and it'll never be completely authentic, but the, you know, the best way for me to, to, uh, to do that is was to spend time there. So I went up and, uh, I've been a, a couple of times now and just spent a lot of time mostly in the schools, you know, working with, with kids, uh, both, both in the elementary level and the high school level. And just the first trip was really just me kind of, introducing myself and kind of talking about about what I do and, and how I you know how I tell stories and make comics and sort of sharing my experiences with the kids and and kind of trying to get to know them a little bit better and uh and you know just just being around young people from the area you, you know as a writer you just kind of try to absorb things and absorb their you know just the way they talk and they act and 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 you know, stuff like that and um so that kind of informed her personality, I think, just spending time with some of the young kids up there. And and then also um, one of the things, the specific things I kind of latched on to when, when, when developing the character and her, her superpowers and everything was, um, you know, over and over again when I asked kids up there, you know, if if there was a superhero from, from your town, what kind of powers did she have or what kind of traits did she have? And the the one that I got over and over was that her powers had to somehow be connected to the land and uh, and so that's sort of where I I started from and and I kind of came up with the idea of her powers changing with each season and because uh, I, I felt that was sort of a new and interesting take on a superpower where it was always changing and and mm-hmm. that's kind of where I started and uh, you know you just just kind of make some stuff up and you <laughs> you take stuff from from what you've learned and, and mix it all together and hope that you get something right. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully Equinox is, uh, you know, uh, a, a fun and, and uh, positive character and, and really kind of speaks to the kids that I met up there. I read somewhere that Equinox was loosely based on the life of an activist named 
Shannon Kustashen, um, is that something that you took into consideration when, when creating the character? Um, yeah, no, not really. You know, I, th- that kind of got, to be honest, it kind of got blown out of proportion a little bit. When I, I, I was originally asked, I think in my first interview, if I knew about Shannon Kustachin's story and, and I had, and I had, I had read about Shannon's story and, uh, mm-hmm. and I said, yeah, that's, it was a very inspiring story. And, and that was oh, one of the okay. reasons I decided to make her a teenage, a teenage girl. But beyond that, there was, you know, it's not based on her story at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of got turned into me basing the character on her and some online and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think I said before, I wouldn't, you know, I think, I think, the Shannon Kostachin story is, is incredibly powerful and inspiring, and but I would never presume to exploit that to create a superhero comic. You know, I think it's bigger than that, and, mm-hmm. and I, I have never met her family or or anything like that, so that's not something I would ever, uh, you know, want to exploit that situation or, or or her story just to just to take to create a comic book character. You know, as much as I take pride in what I do, I think <laughs> I wouldn't want to boil her story down to a cartoon because it, it's mm-hmm. bigger than that. So. Certainly. Well, it's good to clear that up. Um, why did you decide on a Cree character specifically? Is that because of your attachment to that area of Canada? And Yeah, well, you know, I've always loved Northern Ontario. You know, as a kid, I, mm-hmm. I, I'd never gone that far north, but I, we spent a lot of time as kids in, in, in Northern Ontario, and I always just loved the, the land and, and always wanted to go further north. So I've always, always had that sort of desire to go further north and just sort of see it you know so that was one reason you know uh and also just i was just inspired by other artists as well um you know joseph boyden and his novels were were something i was reading a lot of at the time and uh a lot of his novels are set in that area so i kind of had this interest in seeing firsthand what he was writing about and uh and then i got to know joseph a little bit and he one of the trips up there i was with him and so you know uh those were kind of the initial initial reasons to go to that area and like I said, when you're trying to you're trying to create a character, you have to just sort of pick one one spot. And Canada's so huge that you could spend forever trying to figure out where to pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was just my my easy entry point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, hopefully, now that I've started, I'll I'll start to I really want to visit more more of the country that I haven't seen and and see uh, you know see more. Uh, different, you know, First Nations communities from region to region and and everything, and, uh, and hopefully, you know, bring the story and the comic with me. So hmm, that's awesome. What is the difference, kind of writing a character with a fictitious past race versus something that's kind of based more in reality? Like, um, I guess you're taking experiences that you meet from Indigenous youth and uh, mm-hmm. and injecting that into your story. How has that been different from your experiences in in your other writing? You know, it's it's been really uh, it's been very intimidating and very stressful <laughs> because <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you have a responsibility. You're mm-hmm. not just you know when you're just creating these other characters. Sure, you put your own experiences and your own personality and stuff into them to try to make them real but you know if if you don't get something right or whatever it's you're not you know <laughs> you're not offending a whole a whole area of the country that's watching and and mm-hmm. uh you know so there's a lot of it was very intimidating and, and no matter how hard i try i know i'll get something wrong or i won't <laughs> someone won't like what i've done so you kind of have to just just do the best you can and go into it with the best intentions and and, and hope for the best but yeah, you know, as intimidating as scary as it is, and the other side of that is coming out of it, 
you also I feel I take much more pride and much more satisfaction in what I've done than when I just create, you know, when I just write Hawkman or one of the other superheroes. <laughs> so I have a lot more invested in it and I mm. feel like I've put a lot more work into it. So it's it's much more rewarding, I guess. And you know, and just the experience itself has been incredible. Just getting to just getting to see another part of the country and getting to meet all kinds of new people and being introduced to new perspectives and new cultures and stuff because of a, a silly superhero comic I wanted to write is, you know, <laughs> something you don't you don't get every day and you don't get when you when you just write any other comic book. So yeah. it's been very rewarding yeah. despite being challenging as well. Yeah, quite a unique experience for sure. Um yeah. have you gotten good response from the youth that you're working with and and I guess what is the response overall? within uh, the youth communities you're working with? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's been all positive so far. That's you know, awesome. um, I'm sure. I'm sure it's not, no matter what you do, there's always going to be someone that doesn't like it. But, mm-hmm. you know, from my, my first-hand experiences, have been all very positive. The kids are just super excited. And uh, I think they're kind of really thrilled that finally, the, you know, there's there's a character in, in DC Comics or in this big, these comic books they read there is from where they're from. I think mm. just that alone is something really cool for them. And, um, and also just, you know, just going there and talking about telling stories and, and, and just, just seeing, you know, me, someone coming there who, who makes a living doing art and telling stories. You know, I knew, I know myself as a kid growing up in a really small town, you know, you just don't have people like that mm-hmm. in your life or you don't really, you know, I grew up, everyone where I grew up was either, a farmer or a factory worker, you know, no one made art for a living or mm-hmm. to tell stories. So I think just seeing that you can have, you can tell stories and, and use art as a way to make, make a living and a life for yourself, hopefully mm-hmm. will be inspiring to some of them. And then, you know, one day they'll be hopefully telling their own stories and stuff. So that's, that's been kind of cool. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Uh, really good, really good experience for young people to have for sure. Um, when can we expect to see Equinox at the comic book store shelves? Um, I believe it's a week from tomorrow. She, the first oh, issue awesome. comes out. So, yeah, Wednesday. And then, you know, the comic is a monthly book. So every once a month there'll be a new installment, you know, over the over the next year or whatever. And, and hopefully I'll be writing the book and that character for a long time. Yeah, totally. Do you think there's any chance of Equinox ever getting her own comic book? That would be so cool. I've, I've actually thought about that, you know, that maybe that would be the next step for me yeah. to pitch something like that. But, uh, you know, those are all decisions that go on kind of above my, <laughs> my take rate. So all <laughs> I can sure. do is pitch the story and see what happens. But yeah, I think sure. that would be amazing, you know, yeah, uh, if, she, if she got her own series or her own story and her own action figure. It would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so yeah. much for talking to me today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, and uh, have a great one, and I can't wait to read this comic book. Thanks so much, Jeff Lemire. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a great one. Once again, that was Jeff Lemire. Thank you so much for speaking to me about Equinox. I cannot wait to read the Justice League of Canada. That comes out again next week, and I got a sneak peek on Jeff's Twitter of it, so you can check that out on Twitter at Jeff Lemire. Uh, <clears throat> Yesterday, I spoke to Brennan Welsh of the UVic Pride Collective and about the new job posting at uh, UVic for the Pride Collective. They're looking for an, os- uh, an office assistant or administrator. And uh, I have a little clip of what we chatted about yesterday. Here it is.
Today, I'll be speaking with the UVic Pride Collective Coordinator, Brennan Welsh, on all the work UVic Pride has been doing on campus and, uh, uh, and how they'll continue to support the campus community throughout this year. Hi, Brennan. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your role as the newly elected um, Collective Coordinator for Pride? Um, Basically, my role is to facilitate all the meetings that we have, um, make sure that the agenda, make the agendas and make sure all the resources and services that UVic Pride uh, provides are are continuing to be offered. Can you speak a little bit about the workshops that you guys have hosted this past year um, and how you continue to advocate for those in the in the year to come? We, as part of our uh, ongoing harm reduction project, we've had two workshops with uh, the group AIDS Vancouver Island uh, about drug usage and harm reduction and uh, information about uh, safer sex, uh, safer sex supplies and practices mm-hmm. um, uh, as part of an ongoing project where we're looking to start supplying harm reduction supplies within the space uh, in the Student Union building by the end of uh, May. Fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about the new job posting uh, for the Pride office? All right. So uh, every year we have uh, a paid position uh, for within the collective for an office coordinator. Uh, the job is... 20 hours a week uh, is now at $22 an hour. Uh, it is an unrestricted job open to anybody in the community. Um, what the job basically entails is that this person handles the day-to-day in the office, um, answering emails, phone calls, um, putting together resources, uh, supervising our work studies, and keeping uh, kind of keeping everybody up to date with what's been going on. So uh, collective coordinators like myself who are volunteers can keep everything running smoothly without having to be on the ball with the uh, email or, uh, or phones when we're you know, busy with our, with going to school. Yeah, for sure. So what we're looking for for qualifications is we're looking for at least a year of experience within a social justice environment uh, and advocacy and activism, uh, strong commitment to anti-oppressive uh, and inclusive organizing, um, and working uh, against all forms of oppression and marginalization, uh, and especially uh, an understanding of the implications of organizing on stolen Indigenous land and a demonstrated commitment to anti-colonial practices and values. Exactly. That's amazing. That sounds like one of the better job postings I've ever heard. That's open to everyone in the community, not just UVic students? Yeah, it's, un- okay. it's an unrestricted position. Uh, it's for one year, so we'll start at the end of this month and then go until 2015. Awesome. Um, if you are looking to apply, there's more information on the UBSS website as well as the UVic Pride website, which is uvicpride.ca and our Facebook group. Uh, and the job opening is... Uh, open to, or it's closing on April 22nd at 4 p.m. Uh, and 
please send your emails to alma at uvic.ca, A-L-M-A at uvic.ca. There's more information on those websites I just listed. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brennan. And thanks to Pride for continuing to advocate uh, for queer safe spaces in the community. Um, Moving forward, again, you can check out that posting at the UVSS website or the Pride website. And what was the Pride website again? Uh, uvicpride.ca. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. Thanks so much, Brennan. Thank you. Thank you again to Brennan Welsh from the UVic Pride Collective. Uh, again, that's uvicpride.ca, I believe. And uh, I'm going to jump into some music now. Um, I have a CD here from Whoopso, and they're based in Guelph. And um, the story of this band is uh, they're getting together. I, th- I believe it's like a collective that gets together, and they've allowed and invited Inuit uh, youth to come sing in background vocals on their record. So I'm really enjoying this right now. Also, uh the, the record actually has screen printing that the youth have done of really beautiful imagery of Inuit territory. Uh, I'm going to play Odomim, and this is from Whoopso. Okay, for news, um, on April 14th, Canada's minister responsible for parks, uh, Canada and uh, environmental minister, the Honourable Leona Aglokak has announced that Parks Canada sponsorship of student participation in Students on Ice, which is like an amazing organization that offers really unique experience. It has educational expeditions uh, to the art Antarctic and Arctic. And with this initiative, Parks Canada is hoping they can support youth and, Abor- and Aboriginal leadership in communities across Canada. And uh, the hope is that the programming will build relations between northern and southern Canada. And over a three-year period, Parks Canada will be contributing approximately like $150,000 a year to sponsor 13 students per year. And seven students will be from the north and six from the south. And for seven students from the north, Parks Canada will be creating seven new summer jobs in northern national parks. And the six students from the south will be offered summer jobs for Parks Canada in Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. This program sounds super awesome. And if you would like to find out more about it, you can reach Students on Ice at www.studentsonice.com. On Saturday night, the residents of Kitimat, BC raised their voices and voted a big no to the Enbridge Northern Gateway Pipeline project. The count for the ballots was surprisingly close, with 17,093 votes opposing the pipeline and 12,078 for the project. Kitimat is the community most affected by the $6.5 billion project, uh, and Kitimat is the endpoint of the pipeline. Um, this week, I was lucky enough to speak to Ellis Ross, who's the Grand Chief Counsel uh, for the Heisla Nation, and he spoke to me a little bit about what's going on with that and how the Heisla people feel about the Enbridge Pipeline. Here he is. So I'm speaking to uh, ch- elected Chief Counsel Ellis Ross today uh, from the Heisla Nation. On Saturday night, the residents of Kitimat uh, raised their voices and voted big no to the Northern Enbridge project. Uh, what is the view of the Heisla Nation in regards to the Enbridge project? And how do, how do you guys feel about this decision? Our, our view is basically this 
project doesn't belong in Hazard territory, mainly because when this product gets into the marine environment, you can't pick it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, there's talk about best efforts getting you maybe 15%. We think it's closer to 8 to 9% ourselves. It's, it's, we're talking about basically the inability to pick up the product from Prince William Sound mm-hmm. or Gulf of Mexico or Kalamazoo. And that's mainly the reason why we don't want this product. In terms of the vote itself, it's what we suspected that would happen. Mm-hmm. And it basically confirmed what the highs have been saying all along since probably 2009, that this this project just doesn't belong in Kitimat. Mm-hmm. Especially when you think about uh, two natural gas projects being proposed in Kitimat, along with uh, the modernization of a smelter here for aluminum production. Mm-hmm. Even with two proposed projects and this other project halfway done, it's already been shown that Kitimat can't handle this type of development. Yeah. We're, it's just, it's, we're being overloaded here mm-hmm. in terms of traffic, in terms of the pressure being put on medical services, in terms of property prices rising, lack of uh, uh, rental spaces, affordable rental spaces. So we, we've got a a very healthy economy here in Kitimat. So for those that are saying that uh, Kitimat needs us to, to boost the economy, you can't take any more boosting up in this area. Hmm. We're we're already we're already maxed out, and hmm. we and this is with proposed projects, not even confirmed. Hmm. Well, the Heisler have already applied for a judicial review already of the Joint Review Panel's recommendations. Hmm. And we're expecting the Federal Court of Appeals to rule on that within probably a year or so. Okay, yeah. And that, that's that's well in advance of anybody saying whether or not this project is going to go ahead. On top of that, Canada has failed to consult the HISA's Aboriginal Rights and Title assertions. Hmm. So in, in that case there, if, you, if you're breaching uh, rights and title case law that was actually set down by the courts in B.C. and Canada then you, you're already basically setting us up to go to court, hmm. yeah. which we, we've made it clear at a number of different levels already. That is our intention. Yeah, certainly. Well, thank you so much for your comment today, and I wish you well moving forward. That's Ellis Ross from uh, the Heisler Nation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Once again, that is Ellis Ross from the Heisler Nation. Um, <clears throat> thank you for speaking to me on that matter. Um, LetBCVote.com is allowing British Columbians to have like a pre-vote type of vote uh, in in regards to the issue here. Um, in 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 regards to Enbridge, uh, it's something provided by the Dogwood Initiative. You might remember them from phone calls if you've ever signed a petition for anything. Um, I know I've gotten a few phone calls, but they're a really, really good organization, and they're advocating to stop the pipelines in unceded native territory. So um, BC has something called a direct democracy law, and it's really unique to BC, and this allows residents of BC to bring forward a matter of provincial jurisdiction for a vote, provided that they can collect a certain amount of signatures, which is 10% of registered voters voters in every province. So that's in BC. Maybe that's just every every 
territory. Anyways, uh, if you're opposed to the Northern Gateway Pipeline, the next step you can do is go to LetBCVote.com and share your voice in this matter because it's a very important one and it makes a difference. It makes all the difference. Once again, that's LetBCVote.com and congratulations to the Hausa Nation for over... turning uh that vote because uh we hope to keep the pipeline out of out of bc and out of canada altogether hopefully uh victoria city council has passed and motion supporting the claquats first nations call for uh, moratorium on a mining in Tlaquat uh, territory in Tlaquat Sound. The Tlaquat have declared their territory off limits to any mining activity after the Harper government allowed for a gold exploration permit to a Vancouver mining based company called Imperial Metals. Uh, that was last summer. And the district of Tofino has also passed a motion in support of the Tlaquat First Nation. And that's it for news. I'm going to run right into a Ghost Keeper song right after this ATRC song just plays out. Thanks for listening. You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. This is Coastal Voice. Thank you, Ghost Keeper, for that beautiful, dreamy, spooky music. Um, let's talk about Coachella. Um, recently, I'm sure most of you have seen it as the BuzzFeed article is is kind of making its rounds around social media right now. Uh, at Coachella, there seems to be a huge issue with uh, people appropriating not just native, but um, a lot of different cultural significant, culturally significant items, such as headdresses, bindis, moccasins, and even teepees. This year, for a whopping $2,200 and your festival pass, you can rent a teepee in the land of teepees at Coachella. Um, there's an advocacy group of indigenous uh, people at Coachella right now that have been, I guess, part of the Twitter movement that's called Don't Trend On Me, uh, which is a cute play on words, but it's basically calling out people who have uh, been using these sacred sacred items that are really significant to Indigenous folks and using them as party favors, which is not cool. It's not cool for a lot of different reasons, one of them being it perpetuates stereotypes, another being perpetuating stereotypes creates racism, and racism can literally kill people. So if you don't think it's a big deal to wear moccasins, and if your argument is always that your native friend says it's okay, maybe just Google it. There's a lot of resources. And I can tell you one thing, that Indigenous people are sick of having to argue that their sacred materials are uh, are up for grabs by um, white folks, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um yeah, it's it's been something coming up a lot lately, especially especially with festival season and and moccasins and the tribal gear making uh, a really big comeback for whatever reason, and bindis being appropriated and and different culturally significant items. Um, if you have the privilege to be able to ignore the fact that these are culturally significant then you probably shouldn't be wearing them. And um, if you want to see more about the Coachella craze of uh, uh, 
cultural appropriation and uh, headdresses being worn by drunk folks in the desert, you can go to Twitter and hashtag don't trend on me. And I promise you there is no lack of drunk foolery in uh, big, big, like not even native headdresses, which are, you know, culturally significant for many reasons. Um, mainly because even even an everyday indigenous folk like myself wouldn't dream of wearing something like that to a party. Why would you? Anyways, that's that's my thoughts on the matter. If you have thoughts, you can you can always tweet me at Sasha Willette on Twitter, um, or you can join the Coastal Voices Facebook group. Um, air your opinions there if you like. Um, you can talk about it on there. And now, and now, uh, all of a sudden, I have a SoundCloud page on the CFUV uh, <clears throat> SoundCloud. So. It's uh, in the CFUV SoundCloud, and it's a playlist. It says Coastal Voices. I have a couple old episodes up. So if you didn't catch uh, the interviews from Carrie Newman and last week, I believe, or the week before last, I, I interviewed Dion Smith-Docky. Those are really great resources for uh, Indigenous folks and people interested in Indigenous issues. Um, I'm going to play a song from the beta band <laughs> against my better judgment because this is my favorite rainy day song and I hope you guys like it. This is called Dry the Rain. That was beta band with Dry the Rain. Before that, we had the wonderful musical stylings of Ghost Keeper. You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can find us Streaming online at cfuv.uvic.ca and on Twitter at you've, at CFUV, or you can find on me on Twitter at Sasha Ouellette. And you can try and guess my name if you want, but it's also on the CFUV website, is something I realized recently. So uh, there's a proper spelling there if you're really interested in what I have to say. I'm trying to be more active on the Twitter. Uh, upcoming in... <clears throat> Victoria events. Reclaim the Streets is a symposium on art that's been uh, kind of building up and taking place in small increments over the past little while. But on April 25th at 6 p.m. and Saturday, April 26th from 10 to 6 p.m., there will be a public space, art and public spaces symposium where we're going to discuss uh, graffiti and art and the removal of graffiti and have a bunch of different panelists speaking about it. I'll be there speaking. Um, it's a great, great honor. I'm so excited for this event. Um, and we'll also be uh, airing... I guess the premiere of a documentary that seems to be made in Victoria, it's called A Hundred Shades of Beige. It's about graffiti and graffiti removal and how that affects youth culture. I'll be speaking uh, at that on Saturday from 3.30 to 4 p.m. Um, that's at 510 Fort Street. No admission or registration is required. You can find out more at openspace.ca. Once again, this is April 26th and April 25th. So not this weekend, but the next one. Get ready. It's going to be super awesome. Open Space is right downtown. It's a great space. Um, really happy to work with them. And I'm really excited to meet new artists and, and see what everybody has to say. 
And if you're interested in checking out previous uh, episodes of Coastal Voices, you can do that now by going to CFUV SoundCloud, or you can go to Coastal Voices FB page, which is just Coastal Voices. You can search it. It's there. Ask to join the group. I'll let you, I promise, um, unless you're really terrible. But... I'm sure you're all wonderful. <laughs> At UVic on this Wednesday, UVic Pride is putting on an event and activism meeting uh, Thursday, April 7th at 4 p.m. in the Pride Center in this uh, building. Uh, so you should come check that out if you're uh, involved in queer community around the university. It's really, it's going to be a really good uh, chance to get out there and uh, speak, speak your mind. Um, I'm just about to close up. Uh, we'll do some program highlights in a second, but here we are with this. And we love the Fiji Mermaid here at CFUV. You can check that out right before my program in a nice little sandwich between uh, the Fiji Mermaid and uh, Straight No Chaser. So today we spoke about a lot of things. Uh, my first topic of the day was uh, speaking with Jeff Lemire, who is putting out a uh, comic book series called The Justice League of Canada, um, and he's incorporated a Cree character, a Cree teenage girl by the name of Equinox, or Miabin, and um, <clears throat> I got to spoke, speak with him this week, which was fantastic. We spoke about uh, Enbridge issue in Kitimat and spoke to Ellis Ross about that. We spoke to UVic Pride about <clears throat> uh, the upcoming job postings and all the work they've been doing recently. And now I'm going to close out and let Straight Neo Chaser come pop on here. I'm going to close with Rye, uh, the song is from a group called Rye. I think they're part Dutch, part Canadian group, and it's called Open. And I super love this. This is going to be my beach jam this summer. Thank you so much for listening to CFUV 101.9 FM, Coastal Voices. Uh, I'm Sasha, and I'll be here again next week, every Wednesday, 5 to 6 p.m. on CFUV. Thanks so much.